So I'm going to preach this message that I really don't want to preach today. I really don't. And I actually was praying this morning. I'm like, Lord, let me preach that sermon that you had. You already had ready. For, I already had a sermon already wrote. I had it ready Wednesday, and I was going to finish it up on Friday. And it was going to be about the wilderness, and it was going to be about trials in the wilderness, and it was going to be a like big uplifting message. And yes, it's going to be good and work gold. He's refining us. And he's like, that's not what I want. Thursday during our noon prayer time, he's like, that's not what I want. I'm like, come on. Come on. And I'm new to this. I'm new. Krista, when I say that I had social anxiety, I said I would never get on this stage. Never. And God changes my never to now. <laughs> I'd never say never anymore. Trust me. <laughs> but anyway, I was, in, I was in our prayer time, our house of prayer on Thursday. And as soon as I walked in here and got ready to pray, he's like, I'm changing your message. I'm like, no, no. I'm ready. Because every sermon that I've done so far, he's prepared me. He's given this to me weeks in advance, months in advance. Seems like I have way too much. He gives me way too much, and then I, I just break it down, and I give you what I, I just give you guys what I feel like are the highlights of the sermon that he wants. And this, I did not, I, I'll tell you right now, last night when I preached this same message, I was, I don't feel prepared for it. But he told me this is what he wants. And he gave me a supernatural download and was like, boom, here's the title. This is what it's about. Here's an illustration. Do all this. And I'm like, well, if you're going to make it that easy, okay. <laughs> and I feel like the theme has also, in our words of knowledge, is also confirmation of he does want this sermon still preached today. I was like, I'll pull up this wilderness sermon. Let's get this going. Yeah, no, anyway. <laughs> I feel like this is the sermon he wants. And it's a sermon in Jeremiah 18. It's my main scriptures. If you have your, if you have your Bibles with you, you can, you can turn them to Jeremiah 18. And if you don't have your Bible, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen. And Jeremiah 18 is about the potter of Jeremiah. The Lord telling Jeremiah to come to the potter's house. <laughs> I have an illustration and I asked, I called... I'd messaged Kim Purdy, our um, prophetic potterer. Is that, is that would be the right term? I don't know. The prophetic potterer, our prophetic artist. And she wasn't on the schedule. And I was like, hey, do you have any extra pieces that I could use for an illustration? And she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, by the way, I'm on this week. And I'm like, what? It's like, man, the Lord just lines this up. And then the words today, this is what he wants. This is absolutely what he wants. So I'm going to be obedient. So I'm just going to start us out. Jeremiah 18, it says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. <laughs> but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed into another pot shaping it as he seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in the hand of Israel. If any at any time I announce that a nation and kingdom to, is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, 
And if any, if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if another time I announce that nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I have intended to do for it. The Lord here is talking about two nations, one faced with disaster and the other received good news, but their outcome depended on how they responded. Like clay in the hands of a potter, this shows that God is fair and impartial. Bear with me here. God compares his dealings with Israel to a potter working with clay. His promises and covenant aren't automatic. They depend on our response. It's not a one-size-fits-all. For, for the first nation, turning away from wrongdoing led to God changing his plan and avoiding the disaster intended. A similar example was seen in the story of Jonah and Nineveh. The Israel, this was, Nineveh was not an Israelite city. It was not a Jewish city, but it was spared from destruction after they repented and they turned to God. So God is the God of second chances. Seen also in the parable of the prodigal son and Jesus talking about the shepherd that will leave the 99 for the one. He is the God of second chances. Everybody in here say, God is the God of second chances. So Jeremiah learns a profound lesson here from the potter's process. Pottery pots are usually functional vessels made by hand, just like we've seen Kim do today, out of clay that must be fired. Clay is a substance made of natural materials that when combined with the right amount of water is soft and malleable. When heated to a high enough temperature, it becomes hard and glass-like. I'm sure Kim can describe this a lot better than I can. In shaping the clay, the potter patiently works with the soft, pliable, malleable, moldable clay. The clay replicates and yields to the potter's every move and desire, becoming the vessel envisioned by the potter's plan and purpose. What Jeremiah saw was the potter molding a pot from clay by the hand of the potter. However, something went wrong. And the pot became flawed and unusable, a broken vessel. Thankfully, the potter started again with the same clay, crushing and squeezing and breaking it down and shaping it into another vessel that was to his liking. I'm sure you guys could hear this during worship, but Kim was up here slapping that clay, reforming it, shaping it. But he did not throw that clay away. He did not throw it away. He shaped the clay into a pot in the way that he liked. God's plan for us is based on faith and is flexible. It's not set in stone. It depends on our response in faith and trust, following him and his ways. God didn't give up on Jonah. He transformed him in, from a reluctant runaway prophet to one who inspired a whole city to turn to God. God worked on Jonah's heart and attitude. God was bigger than Peter's denial. In all our stumbles and mistakes, Jesus restored Peter after his resurrection, restoring him in a place where Peter's first 
met him. He restored him on that same shore, fishing. And he asked him, do you love me? We are the clay and God is the potter, shaping us into his masterpiece. I want everybody to say, I am God's masterpiece. As the potter crushed and squeezed and shaped the clay, God molds and shapes us. Yielding to the Lord's loving hands during this process can be uncomfortable and painful. Sometimes things need to be removed until we become vessels that please him, vessels of purity. In truth, we are all broken vessels, needing the Lord's restoration work to be shaped, molded, and restored into God's masterpiece. He patiently and faithfully works in and through our lives, through everyday, everyday events in our life. With the Holy Spirit's help, we humbly yield to his hands as he molds, sculpts, and crafts us into his masterpiece. Just like Joseph, David, Jacob, and Paul, and many others in the scriptures, from formless clay to his masterpiece. That's Jeremiah 18. I've heard this sermon preached, I don't know how many times. I grew up a preacher's son, a preacher's grandson. My dad, my grandpa has preached that sermon many times. That's just the setup. When the Lord gave me this word, <laughs> he broke me. He broke me this week. He said, you're a broken vessel. Tell them they are all broken vessels. Each one of you are a broken vessel. He said, tell them Jeremiah 18 and 19. I'm like, oh, 19. What is 19? My dad skipped 19. My grandpa skipped 19. This is a tale of two pots. It's a story of two pots. The first pot was formed and reformed. But the second pot in Jeremiah 19 is different. So I'm going to go ahead and read Jeremiah 19. This is a hard, hard, hard word. This is the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Go and buy a clay jar from a potter. Take along some of the elders of the people and of the priests and go out of the valley of Ben-Hinnom near the entrance of Pashard Gate. There proclaim the words I tell you. And say, hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and people of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Listen, I am going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. For they have forsaken me and made this place of foreign gods. They have burned incense in it to gods that neither they nor their ancestors nor the kings of Judah ever knew. And they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent. They have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fire of offerings to Baal, 
Something I did not command or mention, did it ever enter my mind? So beware the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call this place Tapath or the Valley of Ben-Hinnon, but the Valley of Slaughter. In this place, I will ruin the plans of Judah and Jerusalem. I will make them fall by the sword before their enemies at the hands of those who want to kill them. And I will give their carcasses as food to the birds and the wild animals. It's a hard word, church. I will devastate, I will devastate the city and make it an object of horror and scorn. All who pass by will be appalled and will scoff because of all of its wounds. I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and daughters, and they will eat one another's flesh because their enemies will press siege so hard against them to destroy them. Then he says this to Jeremiah, Then break the jar while those who go with you are watching, and say to them, This is what the Lord Almighty says, I will smash this nation and this city just as this potter's jar is smashed, and it cannot be repaired because they were stiff-necked and would not listen to my words. The Lord told Jeremiah to go buy a clay jar, a pot, a vessel. This jar was meant to symbolize God's determination to bring judgment to Judah. Jeremiah wanted to make the message clear, so he took the jar to a group of leaders and priests in Judah, and they went to the Hinnom Valley near the Poshert Gate. There's something really interesting about this gate. This gate got its name because it was where the potters threw away the broken pieces of pottery. The valley was notorious for being a place where people had sacrificed their children to idols in the past. It was considered a very unholy place. This second pot is no longer soft and pliable. It has been in the kiln and the clay has hardened to shape the pot has been the shape of the pot has been set and no further change is possible. The Lord told me to get this get a pot one that's been fired and use it as an illustration. This is a pot. It's already shaped. I can't change this shape. It already is fired. So, this pot is hard. It is brittle. It's fragile. It's breakable. This pot was smashed, and it cannot be repaired. Smashed into fragments beyond recognition. All its glory gone in an instant. Useless, and it's fit for garbage. Whoever remains stiff-necked, maybe after many rebukes, will suddenly be destroyed without remedy, it says in Proverbs 29.1. Sadly, the people of Israel who heard, who heard God's word through Jeremiah did not heed his message. The word of the Lord, soon Jerusalem was conquered, the temple walls destroyed, the surviving people went into exile for 70 years. Israel was broken. I want you guys to look at this pot. This pot is not perfect. It has cracks in it, flaws. The Lord told me to use this as an illustration that this, is, this pot is my vessel. This pot is me. And I am not perfect. I have cracks on here where I've struggled with anger 
and anxiety. I have cracks on my vessel where I've struggled with sexual immorality and pornography. I have cracks on this vessel. of pride that thinks that I think that I can do things without God. I can do things on my own. There's cracks on this pot that is sloth from complacency, laziness. But it's already set in stone. It's already crafted. All these cracks are me thinking I know better than God. I delay when God tells me to do something. I tolerate sin. I let the fear of man rule in my life. I care more about what people think of me rather than what God thinks of me. When I plan something, I don't even consider to ask God. I grumble and complain about when things don't go my way. I envy others and get jealous of their blessings. Overall, I'm just discontent with what God has already provided for me. All of this, all of this is my vessel. These are my struggles. But I'm done with those struggles. But they're still on here. Hmm. But I'm ready to surrender them all to God. Just like Jeremiah, his pot that he used represented Israel. It was a prophetic act is what Jeremiah was doing. He was using the jar to show them this is what will happen to you if you do not repent and turn back to God. So Israel's idolatry, Israel's sin, Israel's unbelief, all of it was their vessel but this is mine. But I felt like the Lord said, break your vessel. Break it. Lay it all down. I'm a broken vessel. Now I'm broken to pieces. Now what? Who would want to use something that's broken? That's a mess. It's a mess. God wants to use something that's broken. He doesn't see that as garbage. That's my mess. (laughs) The Lord loves to restore broken things. Just like how broken soil produces crops and shattered alabaster jars give off fragrance, God accomplishes great things through brokenness. It's not about the strength of the broken thing. It's about the strength of the one using it. In Isaiah 64, it says, Yet, Lord, you are my father. You are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. 
We are all the work of your hand. Our God, our Father, is the potter, and we are the humble clay. Broken vessels are molded and crafted into a work of God's hand, a masterpiece. From formless clay, they become useful, beautiful, and valuable. Change and transformation occurs with God's help, leading us to become conformed into the image of his Son. In Romans 8, 29, it says, To be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And Paul also echoes the words of Isaiah, reflecting the work of a skilled potter's hand. And Ephesians 2, 10, says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Broken vessels are in a constant state of being transformed into God's masterpiece. The clay, the broken pieces from a broken vessel, it is not thrown away, but is transformed into a vessel of holiness and purity, a vessel of honor. When we are a cracked vessel, we usually think it's no longer useful and should be thrown away. But God sees it differently. He sees potential. He sees a chance to show off his power. The Bible says in Psalms 34, 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. And in Psalm 51, 17, it says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart you, God, will not despise. These verses tell us that God expects us to admit our brokenness to him. Even though we spend our lives trying to keep it together, keep everything together and not be broken, it's in our weakness that God's strength shines through. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, Paul says to, to God's power is most evident in our weakness. Paul actually boasts in his problems, knowing that God's power works best through him. <laughs> Brokenness is a spiritual condition that gets God's attention. It's okay to not be okay. <sighs> Brokenness happens when life gets tough or when we make mistakes. It's not a pleasant feeling, but the spiritual growth, it brings us huge. We often try hard not to be broken, but embracing it is actually good for us. When we try to hold everything together, the posture of broken and guilty heart is what God understands best. Jesus understands it more than anyone else. He was broken on the cross. He understands that life sucks. It's a struggle. But in that struggle, we get closer to God. Realizing his power in our, own, in our own weakness. We recognize that we truly depend on him. Men in the room, I want you guys to look at me. I'm a man. And I feel like I'm, kind of, I'm a big guy. I feel like I'm strong. And I don't like to admit that I'm broken and I need help. I'm supposed to be a man. That's what my dad taught me. I got to be strong. 
I can't see, I can't let anybody see that I'm weak. I'm here to tell you, you are broken. And if you can't admit that you're broken and that you need God, you're going to fail. The pressure will get too much. The pressure will be so much that you will break. And when you break and you're this and you don't have God, who's going to pick up that piece, those pieces? Who's going to clean up that mess? It's like this mess. Who's going to clean it up? I will. I'll clean up the mess. But spiritually, God's cleaning up my mess for me. We struggle to keep things together. We try to deal with our own problems by ourselves. I don't need help. I can figure this out. That's one of my struggles, guys. I don't like failure. I don't like to do something and fail. I don't like to lose. I can take care of my family and myself, and I don't need help from anyone. Guess what? We're not Jesus. We're not a superman. We're not superhuman. In most days, we try to fix everything despite our limitations, and we fail. And when I fail, I fail hard. That is what it looks like when I fail. Hmm. We deal with fatigue and depression, anxiety, and burnout just from being a father, just from being a dad, just from being a husband, just from being a man in general. We are broken. My sister's in the room. I want you guys to look at me. I'm a man, and I don't fully understand women things. <laughs> but I've been married to my wife for over 20 years, with her for over 23 and she has taught me a lot and shown me a lot. So I can, I feel like I have a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> you struggle to keep it together. <laughs> this is hard for me. You know, sometimes, like I said, us guys might not fully get it. And I don't think I'll ever fully get it. But... She shared with me something called mommy guilt. And it's when you feel guilty or ashamed because you think you're not meeting your own or everyone, uh, everyone else's expectations as being a mom, as being as a wife, as being a daughter, as being a sister. It's like there's a voice inside your head telling you that you're not good enough, that you're not doing a good job. You might feel this pressure, but guess what? You're not super mom. You're not super wife. You will fail. In many days, just like us men, you'll deal with depression and anxiety and tiredness, stress and burnout just from dealing with everyday life. Just like the men, you can feel a bit like broken to pieces trying to figure it all out. And I get it. Admitting you are broken is hard. It is hard. 
But it brings a deep sense of peace when you admit it. We fear judgment if we ask for help. The Bible is full of people who, who admitted they needed help. And through their brokenness, we see God's power. It's okay to not be okay. Brokenness doesn't lead to emptiness. That's the key here. Brokenness doesn't lead to emptiness. It leads to blessing. Brokenness opens the door for us to receive God's abundance. God won't let brokenness crush us. Instead, it helps us grow. When we stop relying on our own strength and submit to God's will, the process of brokenness stops and the blessings start. We need to admit we're broken and ask for help. We need to admit that we're broken and ask for help. When we're weak, God's strength shines. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, the treasure within us is God's Holy Spirit. And that's best seen through brokenness. Let God's power shine by admitting you need help. Cry out to him today without fear. He knows you are made from dust and need him. That's how he designed it. We were made from dust and we're dependent on him. God loves broken vessels. Like I said earlier, because when his strength shines in us, these broken vessels are transformed into God's masterpiece. We are created anew to fulfill the good things he has planned for us. There is not a broken vessel God can't mend. If God wanted to break, mend this right here, and it would be a sign and wonder, he could totally do that. And I have 100% belief that he can do that, if it's his will. But he said to do this, so I don't think he's going to do it. <laughs> so with the whole help of the Holy Spirit and the guidance from the Word of God, we walk and live by the Spirit following Jesus. In Hebrews 3, it says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling, and Kathy spoke a little bit on this today, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me through, though for 40 years they saw what I did, they saw the signs and wonders. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, daily. As long as it is called today, today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We must fix our thoughts on Jesus. 
not harden our hearts, not have a sinful, unbelieving heart, not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, not have hearts that are always going astray, not stubbornly refusing to listen to the Lord. Let's fix our eyes and our thoughts on Jesus. And I've already said this scripture, but it's, I feel like the Lord is trying to drive the scripture home. Psalm 51, 17. My sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. The good shepherd, the father is here. I love, I just, you guys love Jesus. Don't think I didn't think about going into that. She's talking about Jeremiah 20, where, and I I felt like I related to, we'll, we'll, no, you're okay. I I felt like the Lord stirred that a little bit. Because I talked a little bit about last night, not exactly, but a little bit. Um, in Jeremiah 20, Jeremiah is lamenting towards God. When he gave me this message, that's what I was doing. I'm like, really? Really? You want me to change my message? It's all his message, but you know what I mean. Like, you want me to switch it up, and I got one day to get it ready? I'm like, really? So I'm like... All day on Thursday, Ruth, Pastor Ruth, was like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm pouting. And she's like, what? I'm like, I'm pouting. Because I don't want to change my message. I want this is, I like this message already. I want to, I want to preach that message. And he said, no. Daddy said no. But I, I'm just going to pout for a little bit. And that's what Jeremiah 20, that's what Jeremiah is doing. He's pouting. He's like, are you really going to just give me all this? I feel so. Jeremiah is a hard, hard book. Jeremiah, if you guys want to know what a broken person looks like, read all of Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah is broken. There, he does not want to do any of it. And, he, and he, the Lord's given him hard words. And to go into Israel and say, you're, you're going to be destroyed. You're... The word in Jeremiah 19, he says, you're going to, your sons are going to eat the flesh of your daughters. Gross. <laughs> the Lord's not asking me to do that. If I gave you that word, guys, we, we, need, we need Jesus. And that's what Israel needed. But anyway, Jeremiah is lamenting to the Lord. He's like, Why? Why? I don't want this. I don't want to give these words, but they're fire in my bones. These words are fire in my bones. I don't want to do it. I don't want to give this word. Chris, I don't want to be up here. I don't. I don't want to preach. But he says to preach. I'm a broken vessel, and I'm broken. And I can't do anything without him. I cannot. And when he says to do this, I will do it. Because he's healed me of my social anxiety. He's healed me. 
He gave me a double blessing. <laughs> this, is, this is just wild how God works. He tells me to preach when I was 13 years old. I said, no way. No. It's not happening. That's not going to happen for me. It's not in my cards. Like I told you guys, I'm a preacher's grandson. I'm a, that's my heritage. My dad's a preacher. My dad's preaching right now. And I know how hard it is. I know what a pastor goes through. And I don't want it. So I ran from it for 27 years. And the Lord said, preach. So I said, okay. And I preached my first message about a year ago in revival. And at that time, me and my wife were Melissa... My wife, Mer Melissa, my wife, Melissa, I can say it right. We were praying for another baby. And I'm, I I might look young up here, (laughs) but I'm 40. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little older. I'm not as young as I once was. And there's 10 years between my youngest, or used to be youngest, and and his blessing that he gave us now. I preached my first message, and my wife gets, and it was on the double portion, the double blessing, Elijah. Guys, don't get me started. (laughs) I preached last night, and I was like, I preached a whole message without saying John the Baptist or Elijah. (laughs) He didn't want it. (laughs) But he gave me, from my obedience, a double blessing. He gave us twins. Twin boys. So I know. I know what his blessings for obedience looks like. I know what it is. So I can't, I can't unsee. I can't unknow. I know how good my God is. I know how much he loves me. And you guys will hear me say that a lot. He loves me. You guys understand that God loves you? I don't think anybody understands how much God loves you. That's just, anyway. All right, we got off on that. Let's get back to this. I could preach a whole message on that, and I feel like that's good because I just love Jesus because I just love how he works, and he just orchestrates things. Just like with the pottery, with the words today. I preached this word last night, and during worship, Pastor Ruth told me about the word that she got, and she shared it today. And I shared this in my message. It says, the good shepherd, the father, is here. Arms open wide, ready to receive us. Restore us and use us again if we are willing to let him. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7, it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. Displayed in the face of Christ, but we have, I just love Jesus, but we have the treasures in jars of clay to show that we are, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And I'm, I'm a little bit of a translation snob, 
I'll just be honest with you guys. I come out of, there's still a little bit of that I'm working through. <laughs> I came out of um, where King James is the only version. That's it. Nothing else. That's the word of God. Nothing else. And then I came straight out of that and I learned about the NIV translation. I'm like, man, I can understand this. I like this. So I'm kind of an NIV snob. But the Lord's like, look up other translations. And I'm like, okay. And he, I hit the message version of this. And I'm just going to share that. It's 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 12, the message version. If you only look at us, you might as well miss the brightness. We carry this presage message around in the undorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we are not much to look at. I just love how God uses this. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Our lives are in a constant risk for Jesus' sake which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, you're getting on with the best. And that last sentence, while we're going through the worst, you're getting on with the best. In on the best. Hmm. When he gave me that illustration to do this today, I sent my wife on a mission. I was like, I want this gold, silver pot because I'm God's masterpiece. (laughs) I know this doesn't look like much, but I'm his masterpiece. I'm gold. He's refined me. That was was the message I was trying to preach in the words. He's refined me like gold. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to be able to use some of my message. And he's like, nope. You're an undorned clay pot just a clay pot, not painted, not molded with gold, not with silver, just an ordinary clay pot. That's what you are. I'm like, Jesus, Father God, you value me. I'm your treasure. You're saying I'm not made out of gold. I know how much you love me. He's like, I love you, Matt, but you're not gold. You are not gold. You are an ordinary clay pot. Man, I'm just an ordinary clay pot. Hmm. I could go off on that. You guys get me pouting up here again. <laughs> By the grace of God, we are earthen. Hmm, we are earthen jars of clay, unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. But there's with one thing: it's filled with treasure. 
and it's the knowledge of God's glory in Christ to bless others with God's treasure. Hmm. In 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21, it says, In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. He said, you are a clay vessel to me. You are not gold. You are not silver. I'm not even wood. I'm clay. I'm made out of dust. But you guys, in our homes, hmm, we will use vessels that are only clean. When we go to eat, do we use dirty, clean plates? I mean, dirty, clean. Dirty plates or dirty glasses or dirty forks and spoons? Most of us don't. In a similar way, the Lord uses and fills clean vessels. We must become a clean, sanctified vessel of purity. This line gets me because you guys can get me preaching a whole message on this. Prepared for the bridegroom. I want to read that again. We must become a clean, sanctified vessel of purity, prepared for the bridegroom. If anyone cleanses himself or herself from unclean things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful, prepared, and ready. I want to close with this. I feel like the Lord really highlighted it's Second Corinthians four seven. Your struggles don't disqualify you. Your struggles don't disqualify you. It says it, Paul says it, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God, and it's not from us. But our treasure inside that is our birthright, our spiritual heritage, our destiny. Our lives, like clay jars, don't always match up with this treasure. We have imperfections, minds that wonder, bodies that age, hearts that doubt, and convictions that crumble. We crack under the pressure. But here's the incredible part. When we're broken before God, Jesus takes those broken pieces and transforms them into something beautiful, his masterpiece. He turns what the world might consider as trash, as garbage, as ready to go into the landfill, into something beautiful. A radiant vessel that allows his light to shine through. So today I want to close with this one thing. 
going to ask everyone in here to do what Jeremiah did. did. Do what I did today. Let's do a prophetic act. Let's break the pot of shame, of guilt, of doubt, of unbelief, of anger, of pride, of sexual immorality, greed, envy, unforgiveness, abandonment, rejectionness. Let's lay it all down. Let's break it at the foot of the cross today. But we have to admit that we are broken. You have to admit that you are broken. I admit today that I am broken. That vessel, that is me. I am broken. I am broken wide open. That is a mess. There is nothing left. I'm emptied out. And I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But he is my everything. I'm ready to lay it all down today. And I just pray. I just pray. That's what the Lord, I just felt him this week so strong. Say, tell them I'm broken. Tell them I'm broken for them. This is something, it's not in my notes, and I said this last night. I prayed, I prayed a bold prayer two years ago. Super bold. And I don't like to pray bold prayers. I'll just be honest with you. Because then he gets me up here and preaches. And then he's like, now say it. <laughs> but when I pray a bold prayer, I, be, I better be ready to back that prayer up. I asked him, I said, Lord, break me to pieces. Break me to pieces. Tear me apart. And only replace those pieces with pieces of you. And I asked that prayer, and he replaced one piece. One piece. I feel like he's asking me to pick up one piece. One piece. And it was his heart. And he said, you can't handle all. You can't handle one piece. And I'll be honest with you, I can't handle it. On my best day, I'm broken because I feel his brokenness. When we're, when we're broken and we don't turn to him, he's broken. He is so broken. His heart breaks because he loves us so much. That one piece, his heart, the love of the Father is a hard thing to carry because in the good times, it's great. When I see people fully restored, walking in freedom, the Father is just so happy. The joy is just radiant. But when people are broken, he's broken. He is so broken. He's so broken for each and every one of you. You are his treasure. You are his delight. Because in our brokenness, God sees glimmers of beauty. In this, like I said earlier, he sees something that he can use for his strength to shine. 
He sees you as beautiful when you're broken. So let's reclaim every part of our hearts that has turned away from God. And let's bring it back to a place of yearning that you need him. You need him today. I need him today. In places where you see spiritual death or you think, oh, my heart is so cold. It is just, there's just death there. He brings resurrection life. He paid for it on the cross. That's what I'm, he did it all. He paid it all on the cross. He was broken into pieces. He was a mess. Jesus struggled. Anybody said Jesus didn't struggle? They're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. Jesus was broken. He had to get away. People annoyed him. Could you imagine being fully man, fully God? Like, guys, you can't get this? Come on. And he was broken. He knew what he needed to do. He knew why he was born. He was born to die for us. He was going to be broken for our sins, to be the ultimate sacrifice. He knew it. But he was here. When he was here, he was broken. He went to solemn places. He went up to mountains, and he wept before the Lord. He said, Father, take this from me. I don't want it. I don't want to do this. If there's any other way, take it. Let's do something different. And God's like, there's no other way. This is the only way. He's like, okay, I'll do it. Because he understands how broken God is for us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for us. When we think our problems, if they're huge or if they're small, and you don't think Jesus, you don't think God understands, Jesus is right there, right next to the Father saying, hey, I went through the same thing, and it sucks. We got to help them. And remember what I did on the cross? Never forget He's always at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Always. So Jesus understands. He understands your brokenness because he was broken. He lived 33 years of brokenness and ultimately paid a brokenness death. He was a broken vessel. But he lived a spotless, clean life without sin and didn't deserve to die. So God understands. He does. Jesus understands. In our brokenness, God sees glimmers of beauty. Allow yourself today to be purified of everything that has stolen your attention away from Christ. And I felt like he he wanted me to end this with a question for you guys. So what is God molding and restoring in you today? What is he molding and restoring for us to become today, church? Not only you, but us as a church as well, as a body, as the bride. What does that look like? It's to be like Jesus, broken. God is shaping us each one of us, to be a vessel of honor, useful for every good work. We are God's masterpiece. Say it again, church. 
We are God's masterpiece. Created anew to do good things, he planned, as we humbly and yield to his loving and tender hands. And we're going to end today with some worship. And I asked Aaron, I wrote this message on Friday. The Lord gave it to me. And I told Aaron, I was like, that song that you just wrote a week ago, (laughs) can you play that again? Because this is what God is doing in this season. He is close to the broken heart. He is close to the broken. And I want you guys to pour it all out today. Lay it all down. Lay all that shame, all that guilt, all that unforgiveness, all that anger, anxiety. Lay it down today. As we sing this song, I'm not going to close in prayer because I feel like the Lord wants to work through our worship. He wants you to lay it all down. He wants you to lay it all down today, guys. I'm so blessed today. I love each and every one of you. God loves each and every one of you. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be his masterpiece. Call out to him today. Lay it all down. Fully become his masterpiece. But we are broken. Broken, broken, broken. And we have to admit it. I love you guys. Let's worship.